beloved, you are now tuned in to Three Black Men, a podcast by three black men where we talk about theology, culture, and the world around us. The following content may not be suitable if you ain't real enough. Listener discretion is advised because real recognize real. Here's the hope when we look familiar. Welcome everybody back to the podcast. My name is Robert. And I am Trey. Sam is with us in spirit. <laughs> we are the three black men. Uh, the third is among us in spirit, right? Um, and we are excited because we have a special guest, Dr. Shaniqua Walker Barnes. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited. We're going to be talking about your book, Sacred Self-Care, Daily Practices for Nurturing Our Whole Lives. And before we get started, I just have to say three things. <laughs> it's, it's a numbered list. Number one, as we, as we were reading this book, Trey texted us and he said, hey, she wrote the hell out of this book. That's number one. <laughs> I, did. I think I used a stronger word, in fact. He's cleaning that one. <laughs> We're trying to get sponsors, so I guess. <laughs> <laughs> number two, I have respected you for so long and seen your work via Twitter. And so this is a full circle moment for me yeah. in particular. And uh, your book, uh, specifically Too Heavy a Yoke, I quoted so much in my master's thesis. Um, I should get ad dollars for that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and lastly, um, I'm just excited to talk about self-care. Uh, I'm going in, I'm in my first year as a PhD student. So this is timely. So welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. I'm um, excited for this as well, for the same reasons, you know, because, you know, we've been interacting, um, the three of us on social media for years. I've been seeing your names here and there. And so, yeah, just really excited to have this conversation. Yeah. And as we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your work, who you are, what you do, what is sacred to you? Yeah. Just fill us in a little preview of who you are. Yeah. So um, who I am, you know, I often start with my people, right? I, I am the daughter of Laquita and Wally. I am the granddaughter of Joseph and Gwendolyn and Jacob and Miriam, all Southern Black people who've lived our whole lives um, in this country um, since being kidnapped. Um, we have been in the South. Um, in the Southeast in, in particular. And so um, ultimately, I think my work is about trying to save my own life and the lives of my people, right? Like trying to survive while living under the siege of white supremacy, of white Christian nationalism, like all that, right? Um, so that's in essence who I am. Um, I do my work at Columbia Theological Seminary 
where I am a professor of practical theology and pastoral care. Um, I am a psychologist. I am a womanist theologian. Um, I am someone who doesn't respect disciplinary boundaries. Uh, <laughs> you like do that. all of it. Come on. <laughs> yeah, so that's who I am in a nutshell. I love it. And one of the things that I really appreciate about sacred self-care is the ways that all of your areas of expertise converge into this really pastoral product in which we could tell that the care for the soul and for our well-being is there, but it's also well-founded and well-researched. Like I cheated because you wrote this as a daily devotional, but one of the things I like to do before these interviews, um, and I want listeners to rest assured in the fact that I've read every book that we're talking about on here. So I read the whole devotional Ew, way quicker. You gotta say that. To. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but I, I have to go back and do it at the actual pace design because it was so, so very rich in so many different ways. So all of the things you talk about, about being clinical psychologist about being a, a professor of pastoral care and somebody who's been doing the work all of that comes through so evidently and and I love that about this work I'm excited to talk about it yeah thank you I feel like this is probably the book where all of who I am I integrated it the best right I've I've tried to do that to some degree in each of my books but this one I felt like my writing voice really did like okay this is me showing up in everything, right? Not making choices, not saying I have to choose to be this thing or that thing, or I have to use the academic, like this is just me. See, don't that. tell me that because we about, we about to get off on a tangent right now. That's <laughs> yeah, <somebody>. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When it, it comes to fire brother, that writing voice, yeah. 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 Our brother we, we just wrote a book. So yes, <laughs> um, the first question I have for you is, you talk about in the opening of the book, that it was birthed and conceived during uh, a Lenten season. And you talk about your journey with that. And I just think about the season of Lent and all that it entails. And we are coming, we're going through a pandemic. And so how those converged to uh, sit with you in making this self-care uh, devotional. So talk to us a little bit. I mean, obviously you write about it in the book, but how did this come about for you during this Lenten season? Yeah, so this, I mean, this really is um, a product of the pandemic, this sort of marriage between the pandemic and the Lenten season when in early 2021, we're nearing the first full year of the pandemic, right? And um, I don't know about you all, but my family took quarantine very seriously. Um, my husband went out to work every day, but he works primarily outside in construction. My son and I were sequestered at home, like other than going to like maybe doctor's appointments, we didn't, we didn't go anywhere, right? Um, walking through my neighborhood was my only interaction with, with people. So we stayed away from people. And as we were approaching Lent and people started talking about, you know, sort of the online chatter. Um, about what we're going to give up and whether we should give up anything. I just kept thinking about like, what haven't we already given up, right? Like we've been Ooh. in this season where we have given up everything. Like, you know, my my grandmother passed away during the pandemic and we had, you know, we couldn't have the funeral 
that she really deserved to have in the church she had been in for generations, right? We had to do a graveside service. We couldn't hug each other. We couldn't have a repast, right? Like there were all these things that I feel like we have given up everything, right? We've given up so much. Why should people be burdened with having to give up anything else during the season? Like we're, we're, we're grieving all the time. Like <laughs> the pandemic itself is a long experience of Lent. And so I thought instead what might be helpful for me first, I was thinking really for myself that this was a year rather than giving up something, I think I'm going to take on, right? So it's a, a practice that I started years ago was sometimes Lynn is about giving something up, but more often for me, it's about trying to deepen, um, usually self-care, usually um, deepen my adherence to my own self-care role of life. And so I thought, let me invite other people into my practice, right? This has been something that's been life-giving for me. And I think a lot of what we needed during that season was how do we sustain and encourage ourselves in the midst of this onslaught of anxiety and trauma, right? And loss. And so the, it sort of started as like this Instagram challenge and about midway through it, I had a couple of ministry friends who reached out to me and was like, this is a book. Right. Um, and I was like, I think you're right. Right. I think this is a book. <laughs> I love it. I love it because you you tell some of that story even um in, in the the introduction to this devotional, which was enlightening to me. Um, as particularly as I don't know if do I still gotta say aspiring author no more? I don't know. I think I'm whatever. Um, but as somebody <laughs> you've who, who gotten paid for work, your book, so no, you don't have to yeah, here we go. <laughs> Yeah, but but as somebody in that process or whatever, like seeing how that works out for you is actually really inspiring because I have some of these same discussions about that. But one of the things that I'm wondering as I read your book, because you also leave a lot of room for the fact that, hey, this is a way to do this. But if this is too heavy for you to do, if it's too much to commit to, we can um, break this down a little bit. There are other ways to attack this or to embody this principle or this idea, even if you can't go all the way in this direction. And with that line of thinking, I was wondering if there are any of the practices that you share in this book that are particularly challenging for you personally. Like, which which one of these is the 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 chapter or the practice that you had to write for yourself? You know. Um, all of them? No. Uh, okay. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. <laughs> right. You know, there, every writer, I think, has this moment where if you're reading your own stuff, there is a way in which writing um, connects us with the transcendent. And sometimes we write wisdom that we don't, we actually haven't internalized and embodied yet. And so I often find myself reading something was like, wait, I wrote that? Like, I had the wisdom? <laughs> when? Uh, right? I'm struggling with that. But my own struggles in terms of, of self-care is actually a really basic one. It's still the idea that I am enough and that I don't have to prove myself, right? Um, I'm, I, I come from a working class family. Um, I was the, uh, the, the, the second person in, on my mom's side of the family to graduate from college. Um, the first person on my dad, like with thinking grandparents and, and, and below to graduate from college. I've achieved what I've had largely by working my butt off, right? Like that's, that was how in, in, in school, it was how am I going to get out of this cycle of financial struggle that I saw my mom and many of my aunts going through. It was, I got to achieve enough 
to get the scholarship, to go to college. I have to achieve enough to get into grad school, to get the professor job, to get tenure, right? And so for me, I am so accustomed to starting my day with a to-do list, right? What, and let me try to get as much into this day as, as possible. And this idea of really just kind of, um, really like scratching and surviving, right? Um, so for me, it is very difficult, even at this point of like, I'm full professor, right? I've done the things, right? Um, I still wake up every morning struggling with, do I have enough time to sit down and meditate? Do I have enough time to do my stretches? Do I, or should I get to work? Like, so it's that really basic thing that I struggle with on a day-to-day basis and, and me telling myself, no, 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 I can take this time, right? I must take this time. But yeah, I struggle with that on, on a daily basis. So that idea that I am enough, I don't have to keep trying to get other people's approval. I don't have to keep trying to prove that I belong and that I'm worthy of, of the calling, that I'm worthy of the profession, right? I don't have to do that. I can, I can just be. I struggle with that one. Yeah. Yeah. Let's say I struggle with that one too. I... I'm wondering in listening to to that answer, how does someone start this work towards being committed to their wellness? Because, you know, I'm reading, I'm reading the book and I'm loving it. I, you know, I'm a person that's committed to self-care and softness and gentleness, but I'm also well aware of how many people would say, I don't have the time. I don't have the resources. I don't have the family uh, support. I'm working two jobs, right? How do I even start this journey? And that can be so overwhelming to people that they they feel self-care is something that is largely elitist. So like, how how would you talk to that? How would you pastor us into that? <laughs> you know, because sometimes it's, I can't, I don't have the five minutes. What would you say to that person yeah I would say you have to find who you're giving your five minutes to mm. <laughs> right okay I don't I didn't need the conviction too okay. <laughs> I said talk to them <laughs> we all have the five minutes we all do right um but we choose to give um and and, and many of us even I think people who are um, working class, struggling, we have five minutes, right? And, and and this is something, again, I have to convince myself of, I can take five minutes, right? Those mornings where I'm like, well, I'm going to shave my meditation time down because I don't think I can do a full 20. So let, let me just do 10. And I have to say to myself, I can take 10 minutes, right? I can give myself that. So the question is often not, how much time we have, but it is, who are we giving our time to? What are we giving our time to? And there are a lot of things that we give our time to that aren't worthy of it. Um, There's some things we give our time to that are worthy of it, but we're depleting ourselves in the process, right? Um, In a way that we're not going to be able to continue to give time. And so I think, yes, starting with that, take five minutes, right? Start small. That's one of the things I try to do in this book is first of all, make self-care simple. When I started this process 20 years ago, 
I identified a few things I wanted to do every day and just said, let me ain't, let me start there. And then gradually I built on it. So, you know, I always encourage people start with one thing. There are times when I am where I am, like under pressure, I got deadlines, I got, there's a lot going on. And so I will wake up in that morning and say, what's the one thing I can do for myself today? I'm going to drink enough water. One thing that that's my goal, right? So sometimes we just need to lower um, or change even our expectations ourselves. Self-care can become an idol where we set these goals that are so lofty and so unrealistic, right? And then we end up adding anxiety on our self-care practices, something that's supposed to actually sustain us and relieve our anxiety. We get anxious about it, especially those of us who are perfectionists, right? It's like, oh, I didn't get to do the thing. I said, I, I got to you know, aim so high. But no, start small. Find one thing, right? If it's, I'm going to go close the door for five minutes and close the door and just breathe, consider that a success. And maybe eventually you'll get to six minutes and seven minutes and eight minutes, right? And you'll be able to do more and more. But just start small. I like that. And that I think comes across in the, the the way that you even structure this devotional, because one of the things that I realized, particularly as I was consuming so much of it at one time, was that you really did break it down into bite sizes. The point it didn't feel intimidating or anything of that nature. Like I know my personal life, I've had to, I've worked through waves of of being better about self care, and then other times stuff gets busy, and self care is often one of the first things that that uh, we sacrifice. But when when you say start small, I think that even in, in this resource that you so gracefully uh, graciously supply the world with right now, that you you do a good job of, of little little spoonfuls like, like oh you you can do this, and you even kind of stratify it. Um, and, and I said that earlier, you stratify it in these ways you can break that down um, to the point where no, you, you don't have to do all of this. And I think um, I'm almost wondering if that might have been sort of a challenge for you, as as you said, those of us who are perfectionists like. Uh, was that something that you had to learn the hard way in, in terms of like, no, like, trust me, trust me, even if you can't do it this way, um, there there are little steps that we can take in the right direction. Was that was that a hard learned lesson or was that feedback you got along the way? Or It really came out of my own experience of, um, and, and part of it is a, a therapist strategy too, right? Okay. Um, when, when therapists know, when we know that we want to help um create behavioral change. We know very often that we can't start at the end goal. That's overwhelming, mm. right? And if you start too high and people, you know, strive for it and fail, then it actually can undermine them. And so what therapists often do is, you know, one session at a time, right? <laughs> one thing at yeah. a time. Can you try on this, right? And then you just gradually change and you add more and you add more. And each way you celebrate the cess, right? So you're like, okay, you did this one thing. Great. Can you can you do it again? <laughs> right? Not okay. even necessarily adding on to it. Just can you do it again? Can you make it constant? And then once that starts to feel like it's pretty consistent, all right, it's time for a new challenge. Let's add that on. And so part of it, was just knowing how behavior change works. And then part of it was my own process of recognizing, again, I started small. When I first started my self-care journey, I was in like the second year of my very first tenure track position at a research one school. I was overwhelmed. I was having a lot of chronic health problems. 
And so I knew I had to start small. And then what happened sort of naturally is over time, I started adding on and I realized, oh, this works, right? Get really good at this and then add a little bit onto it. And so I realized over like 20 years, my self-care plan became very complex, right? But a lot of it was trial and error and quite frankly, failure, right? Times when I did aim too big and was like, that didn't work, okay? Let me step back some, right? Or times where I realized, oh, you actually can't get 100% at self-care all the time, right? <laughs> like you can't, you can't be a perfectionist about your self-care. And so a lot of it was just really um, a lot of hard learned lessons I learned through my own journey and reflecting on those and then just trying to say, okay, how do I help guide people along this path in a way that can lead to them making some meaningful changes in their life? All right. I thank you for sharing that that trial and error process with us. Um, you 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 gave us a whole lot of shoe on already. So right now we're gonna put a pin in this conversation. We're gonna take us a quick little break and then we'll resume on the other side of that break. Amen. Hey everyone, this is Camille Hernandez, and I am the author of the upcoming book, The Hero and the Whore. The book is about reclaiming healing and liberation through the stories of sexual exploitation survivors in the Bible. And the reason why I wrote this book was because when it comes to deconstruction, people aren't really talking about sexual violence and sexual exploitation in a way that embraces nuance, but names healing and also recognizes the labor that women of color, that queer people, that marginalized people do in order for all of us to pursue collective healing and liberation. I wrote this book to create a trauma-informed approach to reading scripture and also to be able to see my story and the stories of my siblings, of my kin, of my people honored, supported, and valued. And if you're interested in purchasing this book, you can buy it wherever books are sold. Thanks so much. All right, everyone, we are back from our commercial break, and I actually want to put Trey on the hot seat for a second because oh, we're, talking about, <laughs> we're talking about self-care. You could have told me that during the break. So yeah, no, I, I, did. Okay. I needed the okay. honest, the raw truth from you. Yeah, We're talking okay. about self-care and I was uh, thinking about, uh, I think it's day two, it talks about self-care and self-love. And as someone who I have experienced to be somewhat perfectionistic, a go-getter, if you will, uh, and you just do a lot of things well. I'll say that, all jokes aside. What things from the book are you incorporating into your own life or what things uh, that you read are challenging for you when it comes to self-care? Man. See how That's we so- are Black men. <laughs> Sometimes we, we can read the stuff and I'm wondering how is it working out in, in thine life? Yeah, for for sure. And I think one of the points is she actually just said it a lot a moment ago and reiterated, like, who are you giving your five minutes to, right? Because, um, Rob, you know, at, at one point, particularly over the pandemic, like, I, I taken my fitness journey in a whole nother direction, right? Like, I was really just out here getting it, right? And um, as things shifted and work responsibilities changed at the exact same time that I'd entered into this publishing contract and I'm sitting here worried about meeting deadlines, getting all that stuff done, something had to go. Now, I'm 
typically pretty protective of my family time and my obligations to my children. Like, you know, I'll, I'll leave something undone at work to take care of my kids and everything. And the thing that ended up on the altar of, of, of time constraints was my fitness. So all that, the, 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 the weight or whatever, which wasn't even my main goal, just feeling better physically kind of went by the wayside. And that is one of the things that this book just does touch on and in that like getting exercise is a part of self-care. And one of the things that I really appreciated about the way you presented it is that you didn't put numbers on it. It wasn't about um, losing weight. It's not about fitting an ideal. It's a matter of honoring yourself and your body by doing something with it, acknowledging the reality that it, that there is something that we as, as human beings need. Um, and that was something that I actually found comforting, like without the pressure of, of like you didn't mention the scale or, or anything or any measurements. It's just a matter of like, no, I, I, I walk. I need to get my exercise. I need to stay active in that way. Um, and that was one of those things that convicted me in the good sort of way, because I got to find out um, who I'm giving my, my 30 minutes to. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. in, in that regard. Yeah. 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 And that, again, comes out of my journey as somebody who um, struggles with chronic illness. Right. And um, and early in my um, when I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, I realized I was triggering my own flares and and I was doing it through exercise. Right? Wow. I, I thought I was wow. doing the right thing. So I was going wow. to the gym like five days a week, at least spending a good hour or so. Right. And then couldn't figure out why after that I couldn't move. I was in so much pain. I was like, but I felt good this morning. Right. And I finally realized I'm doing the wrong thing for my body. Right. Even though, yes, you're supposed to, you're supposed to walk, you're supposed to exercise the type of exercise and the frequency was wrong for me, right? And so for me, then that was like, oh, so recognize it. Like I could fight against that. And and trust me, I did. I, I could fight against and that. Like, no, you're supposed to do these things, right? Or like, honestly, like being a vegetarian, tried that too. It probably messed me up in some ways, right? Wow. Because I wasn't getting a lot, some of the nutrients that I actually needed. And so, um, I've had to recently, again, be like, that might not be for me. I want it to be for me, but I might just have to accept this is what my body seems to need, right? And so I think for me, it's just learning that process, right? That what I thought was the good thing based on everything they tell you you're supposed to do wasn't right for me. So how can I honor my body and accept who I am by actually paying attention to myself and figuring out what I need and then recognizing if that's different for me, that's going to be different for each one of my readers too. And that's mm -hmm. what I want people to do is not just to try to follow my process, right? Not here's the five things you can do to live a great life, but rather what is it you need to do? So I really wanted to take people on a process of self-discovery. Mm, I hear that self-discovery and the listening to your body and the wisdom that your body is trying to give to us <laughs> but we ignore it <laughs> yep. and you know as you were talking I was thinking about um the scene in the clearing uh, with Toni Morrison and baby Suggs holy you know I always cry when I read it but part of it where she's saying in this here place we're flesh and in this attunement to you have to nurture this flesh you have to love it love it hard out there in the world they're going to break it. They're going to bind it and all these things. And, and so as I'm listening to you talk about self-care, I hear, I'm hearing echoes of that, that beautiful scene. And I think this conversation usually devolves 
into, you know, self-care influencers. And then for men, just speaking as a black man, uh, there's something that sometimes doesn't resonate uh, in this, this conversation becomes gendered, right? Like women take care of themselves, but we, we got to push through. So talk about that. Like the, how this, how self-care can present itself in, you know, just an easy way to understand it. Yeah. Um, first, let me say that is one of my favorite texts. I preach Same. that text. Um, <laughs> I use it all the time. Um, I think it's one of the best sermons on embodiment, right? Um, and the Speak. way baby sucks calls the men and the women to, to, to connect to their bodies in different ways, right? And so for the brothers, it's dancing, right? And I think there's something to that, right? Because I think our, our experience in this world, um, in the U.S., has often conditioned Black people away from our bodies. Like we've been taught our bodies are sinful, our bodies are problematic, our bodies need to be subdued. I think this happens differently in gendered ways, but it's still kind of the same process, just this process of making us estranged from our bodies. I think women are more likely to experience the strain, right? To articulate the strain of, of that and the, and, and the competing demands, but also likely to think that they have to kind of give themselves away to everybody else because that's what a good woman does. But I think the same thing happens for men. I think it's actually harder for men because men often won't verbalize it. They have a harder time. And I think especially Black men have a harder time even connecting to their bodies enough to be willing to admit, wait a minute, something is not working for me, right? There are, there's a way in which we have learned to accept distress in our bodies as normative, right? And not pay attention to it. And so um, pain, right? Um, I think a lot of men are conditioned not to pay attention to their, to their bodies, right? You're supposed to subdue your body, right? Wrestle it under your control, dominate it, as opposed to actually, uh, wait, that's pain. Oh, wait, that's that, like, I should do something about that, right? That's actually something that merits my attention and that I'm worthy of, of my attention, right? Men are often conditioned to look outward into the world, um, like women are conditioned to look at other people's bodies and take care of other people's bodies. Men are conditioned, like look out into the world and try to dominate the world, but don't pay attention to yourself. So I think it's a similar struggle. And we've often ignored that when we make self-care about like pedicures and bubble baths. Right? <laughs> like, I like a good like, bubble bath though. I, I, <laughs> and a candle too. So and, yeah. and, and pedicures are important too. But I think when we, we push those as the main thing what it does is it it doesn't teach people that actually what you need to do is learn how to pay attention to your body, right? And figure out, and, and when I say body, I'm talking body, mind, spirit, all of that together. You need to pay attention to that and pay attention to what's really going on with you and, and learning what you need and then giving yourself permission to give that to yourself. It makes sense. Um, because a lot of times... A lot, as you've alluded to here, a lot of it is conditioning, right? We live in a society that tries to train us toward productivity. 
um, often at the expense of creativity and recreation and all of these other things um, to the point where I have a daily journaling habit and have for like some years now at this point. And I've even found going back through entries times where I'm literally measuring my day in terms of productivity. Right. Like as I reflect on my day, it wasn't a matter of the joys that I felt or the highs. It was like, what did I do today? What was I able to accomplish? And um, it's interesting that a habit that I started in part for self-care uh, uh, then became almost the antithesis of, of self-care. I was documenting how I was taking care of those around me, how I showed up for my family, which is good, a noble goal and everything. But but the ways that I was measuring my own emotional, mental health and everything in, in my only like matter of record uh, was was so turned outward and um, that that I ended up not caring for myself in the ways that I should have. Right. Um, and it's one of the things that I noticed, not only in reviewing my stuff, but your book even talks about like journaling and writing things down and just going through those thoughts made me take inventory of what am I using this space for? The, the time that I actually do protect myself, right? If I spend 20 minutes a day journaling, what am I actually going through or um, what what questions am, am I interrogating during that process? Um, even that becomes part of this journey towards self-care. All right. Um, and that that leads me to one other interesting thing that you included that I wanted to ask you about, because this is a very rhythmic um, offering that you've given us the, the seven days. And then there's even an expanded Sabbath meditation for each of the seven weeks that we have in there. And on that day, you include a prayer and a benediction and then a hymn, which I thought was a really curious and an interesting addition. And I'm wondering, was that something that you started out wanting to include in it? Or was there a point where you were like, you know what? No, this, this has to go in there. That, that's going to be like the hymn that I made sure that I, I'd look them up because you said you was going to judge me if we sang them wrong. <laughs> he did say it. <laughs> At least she was honest about it uh, in the yeah. book. That I will, yeah, I, call, this is the only place I'm judging you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You can't call Dr. Shanique with no liar. She told you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, initially the book didn't, you know, so when it was an Instagram challenge, it didn't have that expanded um, Sunday reflection. It didn't have a Sunday um, in entry at all. And when I said, when I decided I wanted to add that for the book, that I wanted to have this extended reflection on Sunday, a chance to kind of look back over the week and to internalize things. It was really important for me to, to keep sort of the devotional structure and particularly the, the devotionals that I've, I've found helpful in my own life are those that involve a hymn, right? Even if I'm not singing the hymn, there's something about the way music shapes us. And so I challenged myself that I was going to have a hymn for each week. And, and that was actually one of the hardest parts of the book was finding the hymns. First of all, I was, I was intent about being able to include all the words. I didn't want to just say, go look up this hymn, right? I, I wanted a self-contained book, right? And so that people would have the hymn right in front of them, but that meant that it had to be public domain. So mm. to make it, mm. so then searching for public domain hymns that fit the themes of something that we don't often talk about in the church was really challenging. Um, but it became one of the things that, you know, um, I look forward to, I had to get help on doing that part, right? And just really 
uh, I found myself edified by having to dig through like the Christian tradition to like, oh, why don't we ever sing this hymn? This is a good hymn, right? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and then finding the hymns that really did mean something. So there are some of those hymns I had never heard before. I've never heard sung, or if I've heard them, I don't remember them, right? Um, and then there are others that are more dear to me. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> listen, I didn't grow up in the church, so I don't know all the hymns. <laughs> um, so you're gonna have to judge me offline. I, <laughs> you know, I'm thinking you, you included the hymn and you, you speak to spiritual people, uh, especially Christian people. And something I was thinking as I was reading your work and as I'm listening to you speak is how I have experienced, especially Christian people, as being some of the worst at self-care. And part of it, actually a lot of it being fueled by a theology of sacrifice and the cross, right? And capitalism is a nice little holding space for a theology that tells us that we must emulate Jesus by harming ourselves, killing yeah. ourselves, giving ourselves away in ways that torture our spirits. And so, right. you know, as a womanist theologian and as a psychologist, speak to that theology that uh, hinders self-care in my uh, thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the the whole first week is about, so then this is where the psychology and theology come together. As a clinical psychologist, I was trained to treat the resistance. What is the thing that prevents people from doing what is healthy for them, right? Um, what is the thing that prevents them from engaging in behavior change? Treat that thing, right? And so I knew starting off that the theology is a big part of it. The reason many people, um, Christians in particular, um, don't practice self-care is because we've in, we've internalized this view that we are inherently sinful and bad and anything with the word self in it is inherently sinful and bad, right? It's selfish. Mm. It's all of these things that you hear people say. And so part of it was um, wanting to give a theological corrective that would then open up the possibility of, of self-care. Um, womanist theologians by and large, um, reject the idea that Christian discipleship is all about suffering. Because we recognize that first of all, in our world, um, suffering is not random, right? Some people suffer more than others and they suffer not for the sake of, of, of the cross. They, they suffer not for the sake of Jesus, but they suffer because the oppressive society has decided that some people need to suffer, right? And so we we tend to be very careful about how we uh, approach that. And, and many womanist theologians, myself included, um, reject atonement theories of salvation that say that, you know, Jesus had to die because God willed it, right? And that it was the only way for um, us to, to reach God and that our own self-sacrifice is also the only way for us to grow spiritually. So we we reject that because um, we think that um, there are other aspects of our tradition, even in scripture, that are more life-sustaining. And so part of what I knew and I was doing with this book was actually doing really a, a different theo theology of the self, 
right? Like I'm trying to sort of give people a different way of thinking about themselves as wonderfully made by God, as blessed by God, right? As deserving of care as a gift from God, right? So I knew part of it is I am trying to, to change how we think about ourselves in relation to Christian discipleship. Wow. Wow, that's a lot of good stuff to chew on right there. And um, so as our time is drawing to a close, unfortunately, I would say even. Um, I know. I wish we could just stay in this place. I know. I know. <laughs> but I really I really do. But at the end of the day, I, I'm not going to be the one when you got to sit there asking where, where your three minutes went and, and you gave it to Trey and Rob. No, I'm not giving back these, these, these belong to you. Um, but. But how do we um, get down to just three minutes, though? We started at five and we went the wrong direction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dr. Shaniqua, I'm greedy. I'm oh. greedy like that, Dr. Shaniqua. I wanted two of your minutes, so I'm I'm taking those unapologetically. Um, you, you can keep three of them. Uh, so uh, the, the, the penultimate ask of you here, one, one more in the back end, but it'll be about you. Um, I, I, Rob and I was texting on the side just now we're like it would be really really amazing if you could lead us in a prayer or affirmation of some sort right now and if the, the spirit ain't stirring you in no in no regard in that direction if you could just leave us with some parting words of wisdom um and i say us is in like the the three of us sam, sam here in spirit as well and everybody else can listen and we're greedy like that this is this this three black men um but also uh for, for all of the listeners as well yeah, so I'm not sure what you have in mind, but I'm gonna um, I'll I'll do something. Um, so I'll just ask you the 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 two of you and anyone listening, if you're like not driving or doing something, if you'll just close your eyes for a second, if you feel comfortable doing that, and you feel like you're in a place where you're safe enough to do that. And just connecting with your body right now. Noticing what is. Noticing how you're feeling physically. How you're feeling emotionally right now. Mentally. No judgment here. And as you breathe, thinking or saying out loud to yourself, I am worthy of self-care. Maybe taking in a deep breath and saying again to yourself, I am worthy of self-care. When you're ready, you can open your eyes. That was the very first affirmation that I started using on my own self-care journey. And I write in the book and it is true. It is the one I have to return to over and over again. Because we live in a world that wants to make us think we aren't worthy. We live in a world that wants us to document our lives by our productivity. 
right? Um, so for me, um, for many of us to just over and over again, convince ourselves, remind ourselves that we are worthy. You don't have to do anything else to prove your worth. You don't have to do anything to earn self-care. Simply by virtue of being born, you are worthy. We are all worthy of self-care. Amen. Dr. Shaniqua Walker Barnes, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. If you are listening to this podcast, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm vouching. I'm putting my name behind it. Sacred self-care, daily practices for nurturing our whole selves. Go ahead, get you a copy, quick, fast. And on the way out, Dr. Shaniqua, can you let the people know where we can find you should we desire more of what you have to offer? The best way to interact with me these days is on Substack drshaniqua.substack.com. I send out a, a, a weekly um, newsletter um, meditation. And so that's the best way. And also Instagram, um, occasionally still Twitter at Dr. Shaniqua. Um, but those are the best ways to reach out to me. Mm. Well, amen and amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you rocking with us for another episode of Three Black Men. Here's the part of the show where we ask a favor from you. Now, earlier I mentioned a couple of ways that you can support us by joining our community over at patreon.com slash three black men. We have multi-tiered support options and you can get bonus content. If you don't want to do that, you can submit a one-time contribution by finding us on PayPal at three black men podcast at gmail.com. But we ain't here to tap your pockets. Here's a few ways that you can help us out without spending a single dime. You can stop what you're doing right here, right now, and make sure that you've left us a review and a rating. Don't just give us the five stars. Go ahead and write out how much you love this show and tell everybody about it. Do it on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you at. Make sure you leave that rating and a review, and that's going to help even more people join the fun over here. Thank you so much. I knew God loved you for some reason. <laughs>